Please turn to me with your Bibles to Luke 15, chapter 15, 4 through 10. Luke chapter 15, 4 through 10. Suppose one of you have has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. <clears throat> Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heavens over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous righteous righteousness persons who do not need to repent until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Thank you, Tyler. It sure is exciting to see these uh, young men participating uh, in worship. Uh, Tyler here uh, this morning. Wednesday night, we had another group of young men who did uh, singing, did devotionals. I'm really especially proud of Tyler because he didn't just um, uh, read from the Bible. He took time to copy it down, handwrite it, so that when he got up here that, that he would know it. And so we're, we're thankful uh, for Tyler and all the other uh, young boys and girls and their efforts. I want to take just a, a few moments. I want to share with you some part of my uh, past time. Uh, and some of you may be able to relate to it. Uh, show you a, a few cards here. This one, uh, anybody heard of the guy by the name of Mark McGuire? Mark McGuire. I, I collected baseball cards when I was a youngster. This was a 1987 Tops card. It was a rookie card of Mark McGuire. At one time, this card had some value to it, actually. Uh, unfortunately, Mark McGuire is one of the reasons why baseball cards are no longer the investment in our future. Um, but at one time, these were really somewhat valuable, although now it's not as valuable uh, anymore. Uh, here's another one. Uh, this is a guy you probably recognize the name before, Nolan Ryan. Uh, great, great pitcher. Threw seven no-hitters, over 5,000 strikeouts. Just a phenomenal person. Uh, his card right here, Bowman card, it maintained some value for a while, but it also uh, has lost a lot of its value. This is an interesting one. I like this. Uh, is anybody familiar with the name of Jim Abbott? Does anybody know something really, really special about Jim Abbott? Only had one arm. Only had one arm. 99.9999% of people with two arms will never make it into the major leagues. This guy had one arm and was a pitcher. He would hold, he only had, uh, it didn't, he, I say one arm, he had two arms but only one hand. He would hold his glove here. He would pitch and then grab his glove and he would be ready in case that ball came screaming back. Just a pretty phenomenal individual. Uh, here's one of my favorites uh, growing up in Texas, Pete Incavillia. Pete Incavillia did two things really well. He hit home runs and he struck out. He did both of those really well. I mean, that's what he did. He, he swung for the fences. Pete Incavillia in his life, I don't ever think, laid down a bunt. He never tried it. Nobody called for a bunt with Pete Incavillia. Uh, I loved watching him play. He was one of my heroes growing up. This is an interesting card. You probably don't recognize the name, but there's something special about this card. Harold Baines. 
Uh, and what's interesting about this particular card is down at the bottom it has an emblem. He was playing in the American League. And at the very, very bottom, a tiny little spot, there's a space left open where there's supposed to be the two letters TM, which means trademark. But when they printed this card, I'm having issues. Is my collar up? Is it down now? Oh, I can actually hear myself now. Thank you. There we go. Where were we? Harold Baines. Harold Baines did not have, he had both of his collars down, but on his card, he did not have a TM that meant trademark. So here's the really weird thing about this. This is what they call an error card. Now, you can argue whether they did this on purpose or an accident, but what they said is, oops, we made a mistake. And some of the Harold Baines cards were printed without the TM. And they got shipped out and somebody says, whoa, 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 time out. We forgot to put the TM on there. So they went back and they put the trademark. But for the lucky few who opened up the pack and got the 15 cards and the really bad piece of gum, they also got a card that had Harold Baines with no TM. And all of a sudden, because this is an anomaly, because it's a messed up card, it's worth more. So there's hope for us. When you look in the mirror and you say, I'm a little messed up, I'm not normal, maybe you're a little bit more valuable. This last one I want to show you, you're all pretty familiar with. I actually have this in a package, in a little card holder. Vincent Edward Jackson. Do you know Bo? Do you remember that back in the, the 80s and 90s? Do you know Bo? Bo knows. Bo played football uh, for the Oakland Raiders, I believe, and for the Kansas City, uh, um, I want to say Chiefs, I'm sorry, Royals. He was a baseball player. Um, He's a a very phenomenal athlete. Um, If you go on eBay right now and you look up this card, uh, I saw just one of them. Um, It is selling for... Uh, $50. A guy said, I'm, I'll be selling this for $50. So, um, how much is this card worth? Ah, there you go. Richard knows this well. This card is not necessarily worth $50. He has it up there and says, I want to sell this for $50 and I will not accept less than that. Okay? Um, but here's how value really works. It's worth what somebody's real willing to pay for it. So, uh, if somebody comes along and says, I'll pay $25, then the card is now worth 25 Otherwise, it's not really worth much at all. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This is a really, really hard, I said this last week, but it's even harder this week. Because if you know me, you know there are several stories in chapter 24 that are the most dearest stories to my heart. They're the ones, if I have one story I can tell you from the Bible, this is it. And there's several of them in here, and so I'm having a really tough time. So we are going to blast, blast through 17 pages, chapter 24. But there's one common theme that I think we're going to find out as we're looking through chapter 24. And the word that I want us to focus on this week is the word value. And the question I want to ask you is, what is your value? There's a group of people that 
are noticing Jesus and their comment is, look at this man, he welcomes in sinners and he eats with them. So what are they saying? What they're really saying is, shouldn't he be hanging around better people? Why is he welcoming in and eating with sinners? He should be around people who are better, who are more valuable, who have more money or more prestige. And so they're really kind of picking on Jesus about this. And so then he decides to tell a few stories. And he says this, and Tyler read them to us this morning, so I'll just go over them quickly. He talks about the man who had a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders off. And he goes out after that sheep, and he brings them back. And what Jesus wanted to say was, that sheep has value! Even if it wandered off, that sheep is important to the shepherd. And he tells another story of a woman who she's looking around and she has ten coins. And one of the coins is lost. And she begins looking for the coin. And the the purpose of telling that parable is that he wants to remind the people that it is really about the response Of the owner who says that coin has value. It's worth tearing apart the house. It's worth looking everywhere. And when she finds it, she does the same thing as the shepherd did. She calls in her friends and says, let's celebrate. Because this thing is important to me. And it was lost and now it's found. For those of you who know me, I love to use my imagination when I'm reading stories. And it's, it's hard not to imagine what it would have been like for this young man when he goes to his father and he says to the father, Father, you're dead to me. I want my inheritance. And so he takes what he gets from his father. This is not a check. It's not a a bag of coins. He has to sell off. The father has to sell off possessions. Maybe parcels of land. And the son then uh, sells that. And so all of a sudden, it's not just like there's less money in the bank account. It means that there's fewer fields. Maybe some servants had to be sold off. Some livestock. And this son takes it. And he goes off in the far country and he squanders his money in wild living and in prostitutes. And when he has nothing left, there's a famine in the land. The money runs out. The food runs out. The friends run out. And all of a sudden, we find this good Jewish boy sitting here in a pig pen staring at the pods that the pigs ate. And he wanted to eat them, but no one gave him anything. And of course, I love the phrase, when he came to his senses... Because he realized, maybe I have some value in my father's house, even as a servant. And so he begins this walk home and he decides what he's going to tell his dad. And, oh, I just love this story and I wish we could spend more time on it. But here's what's really special about this story. I really believe... That is, Jesus is telling this story, and we have the father who sees the son. How is it that the father sees his son? It's because I believe that the father is looking for his son, because his son has value to him. 
And he sees his son and he smells the stench. And he runs to him anyway. And he jumps on him and he falls down and he kisses him and hugs him. And the son who's ready to give this, I'm sorry, I'm not worthy. The father cuts him off. And says, you're home. You have no shoes. Let's put some shoes on you. Your robe is tattered and stinky. We want to get you a new robe. And we're going to put the ring on your finger because you're in the family again. You have value. And they go in and they celebrate. The older brother hears the commotion, goes up, calls the servants, says, what's going on? Then the servant seems to be pretty excited. Your brother's home. He was lost and now he's found. And, and so they're throwing a party. And the older son refuses to go in because he says, this son of my father is worthless to me. Dad calls out, comes out and says, you got to come in. And he says, no, I'm not going to come in. Do you know what he did, Dad? He squandered all the money, everything that we had. He spent it on prostitutes. Which, does that give us a glimpse of something? That Dad knew what the younger son had been doing. He got back to town. Yeah, we heard about him. He's, he's out there living there and spending all the money. He's having a good old time. Father must have been made a laughing stock in there. The story, though, is not about the son who came to his senses and walked back. The story is about a father who says, My son has value regardless of where he's been and what he's done and what his brother thinks about him. His value is in the fact that I love him. The stories. Go on and on, not just about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. We have the Sermon on the Mount. And boy, I could spend a few days in there, couldn't I? Maybe we could talk about the fact that Jesus says, You're the light. He says, You're the salt. You're called to be holy people. You're called to go deeper. He says, you have to understand this. Do you look at the sparrows in the air? Do you look at the lilies of the field? You are more valuable than they are. And you're valuable because your Father in heaven loves them. And later on, Jesus is out on the boat. He's sleeping. And this great squall comes up on the boat. And everybody's afraid. And they go get Jesus. And they ask Jesus this really important question. They says, don't you care? What they're asking is, are we not valuable enough to you that you would do something? And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, don't you know you're valuable to me? And he turns and he calms the storm. Legion, a demon-possessed man, meets Jesus and cries out, what have you come here to do? Are you going to torture me? Because clearly you think I'm worthless. And Jesus goes out and he speaks to the demons. 
And he has power over the demons. But it's not just the power that's so special in this story. It's the fact that he cares for the man who's possessed that nobody else wants to have anything to do with. And he calls out the demons into what? Do we remember? Breakfast. 2,000 pigs. They go into this herd of pigs. The pigs go down this huge hill into the water and they drown. And people from the town come up. They look at the crazy man who is now sitting there and clothed and in his right mind. Three things he wasn't just a few minutes ago. And they look at him. And they look down at the river. And they see their pigs. And they look back at the man. And they look at Jesus. And what do they say? Leave this place. And what they're saying was, the pigs were more valuable than having this sane man. You should have left him out here and let us go about our business. But now you've ruined our business. Get out of here. They didn't think he had value. And my favorite story, and I'll try not to spend too much time on it, but the story of Jesus as he steps off the boat and he's met by this large crowd. And then as that large crowd is there, it splits up and walking down the middle is this guy by the name of Jairus. He's a synagogue ruler and he has value in the eyes of everybody there. And he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus, which is crazy. He should be fighting Jesus. That's what the religious leaders did at the time. But he falls at the feet of Jesus and he weeps and he says, my, my daughter, she's dying. Will you please come and save me? And Jesus reaches down and grabs the muddy hand of this synagogue ruler and he pulls him up and everybody's heading that way and everybody's so excited They're excited because Jairus has value and he can do something for them. And along the way, there's this woman who's been hiding out in the shadows. And for the past 12 years, she has had this hemorrhage. And instead of getting better, she got worse. And she had spent all that she had on doctors. And if there's anything you can say about this woman, it's she's worthless. She's worthless. But she believes in Jesus and the fact that if she just touches the edge of his cloak, she'd be healed. And we read that she comes up in the crowd, this unclean woman who's touching all these people, infecting everybody with her uncleanliness. And she touches his cloak and immediately she is freed from her suffering. And at that very same moment, Jesus realized that somebody has touched him and power has come out from him. And he says just the craziest question ever. He stops and he says, who touched me? And everybody looks around and says, what do you mean who touched you? The scriptures say that there were so many people around him that they nearly crushed him. And he starts looking around. And I love how Luke uses the phrase, seeing she could not go unnoticed. You see, what she planned to do was just to go back into the crowd. Maybe she would go back and try to find the family 
that she'd been away from for the last 12 years. Maybe for the first time, she would enjoy going into the market. She would enjoy going to worship. She would enjoy being able to walk down a road without having to scream and proclaim to everybody that she was unclean. And so now for the first time, she was so excited and she could hardly contain herself. And as she's trying to get out of there, she realized that everybody has stopped. And Jesus keeps looking around and she realizes that she can't get away with this secret salvation, this deliverance that has been brought to her. And so she comes down and she falls down at the feet of Jesus. Why do we have, why did Jesus stop? The healing was done, right? She had been freed from her suffering. Jesus stopped because he wanted to say, you have value. Most amazing part of this story to me is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story and none of us give us her name. And the reason is probably nobody knew her name. No one cared. She didn't have value in the eyes of anyone other than the son of Jesus. Jesus wanted to show his worth, her worth to her. He ultimately called this nameless woman daughter. I don't know about you, but that's a story that I can relate to. A story where so many times I feel like, I was invaluable. I'm the card with the error on it that nobody really wants. It was a mistake. It's something that's left to the side. And yet Jesus wanted to say, you are valuable. But I don't want to stop here. I don't want to leave us with this idea that we are really valuable and we should go home and smile and and think we're special. And look in the mirror, we're special, we're special. We are, and God loves us, but that's not the end of the story. God calls us to something greater. You are not valuable just because of who you are, but also because how you can reach others. That's part of your value. Several years ago, I I met with a financial planner to, to look at the the money I didn't have, uh, and what I was going to do with it. Uh, and one of the things he said was this, I thought was really important. He says, he says, one of your greatest assets is your ability to earn an income. Because at that point, when I was looking at you know, my assets and what, what I had and what I owed, the what I owed was a lot bigger than the what I had. And he says, listen, you need to know your ability to earn an income, that's the most valuable thing that you have. <laughs> It's about the only thing that I had at the time. Your value is not just who you are. It's how you can be impactful for the kingdom. So I want to ask you this. I think it's fair to say, I don't think anybody can really argue that you're not a valuable individual. Because when you talk about what's value, it's what somebody's willing to pay And we know the answer to that. What's your value? The price was set at the Son of God. His blood. 
his sacrifice. That's how valuable that you are. So we know that we're valuable to God. I want to ask you this morning, I want to give you a charge after this encouragement. Are you valuable to God's kingdom? You see, here's the problem. And this is what I really want to get out right here. Is that we have a lot of people right now, not just in here, but outside of these walls, who can't figure out what their value is. They're confused. I'm most concerned. I'm most heartbroken. By the young men and women. Late adolescents, middle adolescents, early adolescents, preteens, who are trying to figure out what their worth is, and they're basing it off of a bunch of junk. I, I don't really know about this, so I, I can't speak too intelligently about it, but I'll try my best. And I've quizzed a few people um, who have access to these apps on these smartphones, and they, they've told me a little bit about it. Um, but there is, there is an app you can get on your phone called Instagram, right? Okay, so you can get Instagram. And basically what you do is you post pictures on there. Okay, and you could, it's kind of like Facebook, but it's like more pictures. And I don't know the whole deal about it. But here's one of the big deals. And somebody correct me if I'm wrong about this. One of the big things about Instagram is you, you post a picture of whatever it is, your face, the sunset, your favorite team, whatever it is, a food you just cooked, I don't get that, but whatever. Okay, so whatever it is you're about to eat, and people click on it if they like it. If they like it, they do. Is it, they call it the like button? Tell me that again. You double tap it. You double tap it, and that means that you like it. Now here's the deal, all of a sudden, people, these girls, they get up and they wear some clothes, maybe sometimes it's not real nice looking clothes, but they want to get a lot of double taps. And so they take pictures, not, not, not you, but I mean, or guys, maybe they're in there and you know, their, their buff workout suit and they get their picture taken and they want people to double tap. And this is true. They base their value on how many people double tap their picture. Now they can say, that's not really a big deal. But you talk to them and they say, you know, I got 470 likes on this. What? And their value is based on that. But guess what? We got kids who are putting pictures up on there. And they're not getting the double tap. And they're deciding based on their peers or people they might not even know that well at all. They're deciding their value, what they're worth, and what they're not worth based on other people. I, I, I didn't take the time to look this up, but I don't know if I'm more alarmed or more concerned that it seems like there's still a really high, high rate of young men and women who are taking their lives Isn't it? And why do they do this? 
you know, you, you say, well, it's because their girlfriend broke up with them or they didn't make the team or they got a bad grade. I mean, these are some of the things that, that we hear coming out, some of the reasons. But let me tell you what the reason is. They just don't think they're worth it. They have decided, based on what somebody else says, how much they're worth. Now, I'll probably get into a little bit of trouble and controversy on this. And we all talk about the big word right now is bullying. People are getting bullied. And here's what I really think about this. And I may be completely wrong. The problem is half the fact that we have bullies. The other half is there are too many people who think their value is based on what their enemy says. And Satan wants to say you're worthless. And he'll say, you're ugly, and I won't double tap your picture, and I don't like you. And they walk away and they say, I'm not valuable. The problem isn't with the bully, as much as it is, is that we have to teach our kids, your value is in the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. And it does not matter what other people think. We have got to be a people... We've got to be a people who will stop. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. Is that when everybody else says, go on, He stopped and He assessed value to a person who felt worthless. And there are people here in this room that are having a bout with Satan who is saying to them, you have no value And God says, how could I show any more how much I love you? We're valuable to God. Are we valuable to this kingdom? Because there are people who are literally going through life broken because they have been dubbed in their own mind as someone who's worthless. And we need to be the voice that says, you are worth something. Not just to your family, not just to your school. You're valuable to the Creator. The One who made you. The last story I want to look at is the story of the Good Samaritan. Who after the Levite... And the priest walked past the bleeding, half-dead, stripped-naked, beaten man on the side of the road. They walked by and said, He is not worth our time to stop. Jesus called His followers to be the people who would look to the person who's broken and bloody And smelly. And poor. And to say, you're important enough. I'm going to carry you. That's what God calls us to be. Let us be a people who value children of God. Let us be the voice crying out in the darkness to these These kids who think they're not worth anything. Be the voice that says, you matter. 
If you work in a school, people like Robbie, you're, you're doing these things. If you don't live, if you don't go to a place where there's little kids around, you probably live near one. Go find one. Invest yourself into one. Embed yourself into a culture that says you are important regardless of your batting average and your GPA. Let us be that voice. We've been given value by our Creator. Let's give value to the rest of His creation. As we remind people that God cares for them. May you end your struggle wondering if God loves you. And may you join in the fight to help others realize just how much God cares for them. Let's be a people who show value to this world. This morning, if you're struggling with your value, maybe you just think, I'm I'm not worth anything. I want you to know you are. In fact, later on today, we're going to have a special banquet. It's called the Somebody Loves You Banquet. And it's a reminder that our elderly people in here who have dug wells that we drink from, they're valuable to this body. Let us be a people who give value. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, I want to ask, I want to encourage, invite you to come down and find yourself in the one who gives you worth and the one who would die for you. If there's any way we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.